It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Hey, welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe of Living Worth Wealth Advisors. Brian is a certified financial planner, always the man that we turn to for guidance, advice, and help into and through the financial and retirement planning worlds with more than two decades of experience in the financial planning realm. And uh, we are looking forward to a great show today. Brian, I hope you are doing well, my friend. Doing great. It's been uh been a very pleasant uh, time of the year around here and uh, had a good opportunity to take the pizza show road show uh, up to washington dc a couple weeks ago nice what was the honor uh, you're you doing some lobbying up in dc and using pizza to bring bring the both sides of the aisle together is that what was happening yeah yeah i'm up there lobbying on behalf <laughs> of the uh secure act and i'm, I'm for my clients and no uh, i've got a buddy who's he and i are prone to uh, doing interesting trips and kind of crazy things he's the one that i met on the big road trip back in 2017 and he was having a big party, and I said, oh, come up. I'll make pizzas for everybody. And now that I have a portable pizza oven, I loaded everything up and went up there and just had a really nice time. Laura went along with me. We kind of made it a trip. She, she got a new car, so we took it out and gave it a little little time on the road. And we, we did a couple of stops on the way. We did Highlands, North Carolina, and then Raleigh, and and then up to D.C. So it was, nice. it was a cool trip. And, and while we were up there, we went in uh, very interesting, if, if you've ever have a chance to see it or if it interests you they had a museum of the bible that is i don't know about how new it is but i think it's relatively i remember new. hearing about and that Laura in the last couple of years there. yeah a client told me about it and said it was it was fantastic and uh we went and saw it and yeah it was we we clearly did not allocate enough time for it there's there, there was just so much there to see I think that's how all the museums up there go. You can never, never squeeze in multiple on a trip, it seems. And then even just seeing all of one of them in a day is pretty difficult. So um, I remember I was there when the museum was being built um, in, in D.C. several years back. And uh, I remember just looking at the size and scope of it going, oh, my gosh. And how many museums are there in D.C.? <laughs> like You can never. I know it. I know see it. Them all. So very cool. Well, this one was interesting. I think it was John Templeton that had provided a lot of the. Uh funding for that one. I was interested to see where the, the the funding source had come from from a man in the investment world. How about that? Well, that's interesting to know as well. Very cool. Well, thanks for the tip. So check that out if you go to DC, folks. And uh, in the meantime, let's talk about today's episode, Brian, and dive into our content today. Building a little bit off of a prior episode from Make the Dough Rise and uh, going to go a little bit mm-hmm. deeper and, and kind of fill in some gaps here. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go back. We'll we'll do uh, maybe a little bit deeper dive into a previous episode, and uh, then we get uh, get some old fun facts here to to start the day off with. Fun facts. We always like fun facts. Where, I, I get a lot of clients who we do the plans, we've looked at their portfolios, we've run the projections, we you know have have a whole cascade of numbers and and net worths and balance sheets all printed out, and so often it always comes back to like where do I rank? How do I compare to other people? Am I on track? Am I doing okay? And it's funny because I think a lot of more affluent people are surrounded by other affluent people. And it's very easy to get fixated or notice those that have more than you do. And so I think people get a distorted or underestimation of where they actually rank with their net worth. So Charles Schwab did a wealth survey uh, recently and pulled some numbers together and I've, I've pulled some other numbers together here to, to, to look at. And 
what does it actually mean to be in the 1% or the top 2%, top 5%? Uh, so that's been, it's been a, a question I get asked a lot and I thought I'd actually go ahead and formally put the numbers out there. Makes sense. I mean, to know where we've got to go, we kind of need to know where we are. And I think that's probably why that one of the most popular questions is, you know, how do I compare to other people? It helps us get a little bit of that footing to be comfortable. Am, am I normal? Right. Like that's kind of a question I can imagine right, a lot of people right. asking. Well, and, and I think the big number used to be like if you were a millionaire. And I, I think my reference to this goes all the way back to the 70s and, and when i was really young you know, the idea of being a millionaire a million dollars in the 1970s was actually a lot of money and you know sad to say because of inflation and you know certainly there's been a lot of wealth creation opportunities and things that have happened you know, over the decades but a million dollars isn't nearly as rare or as unusual as it used to be and so not to frustrate or, or make anybody feel further behind, but to me, the new million is kind of more like 10, you know, five to 10 million. That's the number where, where, where I feel like you've, you've got to be to know that you're just set. Uh, I don't think a million dollars is, is as nearly as confident inspiring as it was you know, m- many years ago. For those who just kind of set that target number out there to shoot for and uh, obviously, someone with different circumstances may need less to retire on. That, that that caveat always still applies. But this broader concept of, I get to a million and you'll be fine, isn't necessarily the case for every family anymore. Yeah, it, well, and, and there is a, there was an interesting number that Schwab put on their study that was to be financially comfortable. And it was interesting what has, has actually happened to, to that number. So before I jump ahead, we pulled some numbers and... The, um, I think the key takeaways and uh, you know, bottom line numbers here, I'll, I'll hit those first, but the highest average American net worth for those in the age group of 55 to 64 years old is about $1,175,000. So, you know, that if, if you're a millionaire, and this includes portfolio assets, savings, equity in your home, like, like total net worth minus any outstanding liabilities or mortgages, okay. which is a pretty standard number. So it's not just your portfolio. You can, you can throw your uh, home equity if you had a second home or something like that. This is, this is net worth. And so, you know, to be average in, in 55 to 64 years, it, it's a million one. And there may be a lot of people out there that bought houses years ago, and we've seen a lot of appreciation in house prices. A good deal of that equity may just be, you know, tied up in a five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar house, and uh, you know, so, so again, it kind of to my point that the the, the average is is not necessarily having a million dollars is not necessarily you know make you wealthy or affluent. That's actually quite average. But then around that, there's you know there there's the mean, and then, then we'll talk about some of the statistics at the at the bottom end and how this skews very, um, in a Pareto distribution, you know, like 20% of the people are going to have, you know, the bulk of the net worth and the bottom 80% will, will have a lot less because the, the media numbers are, are substantially different, but Americans, uh, 65 to 74, the average net worth is a million 217,000. So again, it's, it's pretty comparable. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing numbers from the like mid fifties to mid sixties, 
are e either ahead of or on par with the 65 to 74 year old crowd. And, and a lot of that may have to do with the growth of technology companies and stock options and, and maybe less pension and more money being in 401k. There, there could be a number of factors contributing to that. But that million one, million two seems to be you know, holding through age groups. And then when you get up above 75 and older, average net worth is 977,000. And again, I, I think that is very indicative of the drop off in pensions. A lot of people retired with pensions. That generation, you know, very consistently had pensions, and you know, today you see very little of that. Well, if you had a fifty thousand dollar a year pension, that would be the equivalent, probably, of a you know, maybe a million dollar extra net worth if you calculated what it would take to generate that type of of pension. So don't 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 be disheartened if you've got a nice. Uh, pension, you're drawing social security and you've got a million bucks in the bank. I mean, it, it, I think that's a, that's, that's definitely solid and, um, you know, pretty, pretty on par and, and, and average with your, with your age group. Gives maybe people uh, a little bit of anxiety when they first hear those numbers. And then the description that it's the full net worth maybe relieves a little bit of that anxiety too. But then, uh, that, that helps. I think people put that into context a lot of seeing how they compare where do you usually take the conversation with folks then, or, or what else does this sort of unlock in your thinking when you see this data? Well, so, so again, the, these these averages are very, very. It kind of muddies the clear picture because the average is you know everybody, but if you've you've had a statistics class before in, in the past, oh yeah, Walter, have you? Yep. Had the had the good fortune to have a statistics class. My <laughs> best uh, best teacher was so my stats teacher, and then cross country coach, and then uh, calculus teacher. So yeah, it, it was great. Oh, well, you had a better experience with statistics than I did then. <laughs> uh, it was still a pretty tough class. The, Actually, this is going to sound like I'm bragging, but statistics I thought was harder than AP calculus. It was just stats. Yes, Sometimes you agree. can twist them, and it's just it was just tough. Stats are hard, you know. It gets a little bit mind-bending after a while. Well, you'll remember, this is basic statistics here. We're not going to calculate okay. any p-values or anything. But um, Thankfully. The, the median net worth in the 55 to 64-year-old is only 212000 Okay, so the average, we said, was a million one seventy-five. The median, the middle, is 212000 mm. So 50% of the people have less than $212,000 net worth. But the average being a million two, that tells me there's a, there's a lot of people that have you know a lot more than a million one seventy five, and and there's a whole lot of people that have less than two hundred thousand. And wow. the numbers are very consistent when you go into that sixty five to seventy four year old group. The average is a million two, but the median is two hundred and sixty six thousand. So that means half the population has less than two hundred sixty six thousand dollar net worth. When people get discouraged or maybe thinking they don't have as big a net worth as, as their neighbors, I always remind them, look backwards just a little bit and, and put things into perspective. On a global basis, you're clearly in the top 1%. You know, if you're average or, or above average, that's still probably in the top 5%. And there is a whole group of people with you know, astronomical net worths that, that skew that, that number upwards. And, and so you, you can also back up and look at the top 2% of the United States population has a net worth of about 2.4 million. So this is transcending age groups and, and different demographics and things like that. If you've got two and a half million dollars, 
that puts you in the top 2% in this country. So that, uh, you know, once people hear those numbers, it puts it into a, a perspective that says, oh, wow, you know, a lot of people actually think, well, you know, maybe I'm middle class, upper middle class at best. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're running top of the heap here. It just doesn't seem like it because, you know, you're, you're surrounded with, you get into communities and country clubs and uh, affluent neighborhoods and things like that. And pretty soon it feels like everybody's that, that well off. And uh, it's, it's just not the case. There's, there's a lot of people out there that don't have those means. And, and if you back up uh, to the million dollar level, that captures 5% of the wealthiest Americans. So if you've got a million dollar net worth or more, you are in the top 5% of one of the richest countries in the nation. Nothing to be ashamed of with a million dollar net worth for sure. And then the interesting thing that the, the number that I saw that was considered wealthy versus comfortable. And this is the survey that Charles Schwab did. They said, uh, what's the average net worth? You know, they polled thousand people and you know, different age groups and whatever. And the number to be wealthy was a couple million dollars. And in, um, 2018, it was pretty consistent, like through 2018, 2019, 2020, and on, it, it, it held in about the 1.9 to 2.4 million range. So that number is, is relatively unchanged it, as far as people's perception of what it is to be, to be wealthy. But the number to be considered financially comfortable has gone from 1.4 million in 2018 through the pandemic went down to 934,000 in 2020. In 2021, it went down to 624,000 and ended up in the probably mid 700s in, in 2022 in the most recent. So, seven, uh, 774, I believe was the number in, in 2022. So I, want, I think what that says is that is an indication of what COVID did to people's perception of how much money they really needed to get by. When everything shut down, when people you know, had to you know, pull back or, you know, had to, had to stop doing a lot of things and maybe traveled less. The net savings rate skyrocketed for a little while because, you know, a lot of checks were coming in, stimulus checks were coming in, or if people were still getting paid, but they couldn't do stuff. I think a lot of people really reevaluated what was necessary and what was needed, what their fallback position was. And so the idea of what it means to be financially comfortable has actually dropped in half from where it was just a few years ago. I thought that was interesting. That is pretty interesting. I think equally as interesting if we could fast forward three years would be the curve that this takes right back up to that 1.4 million given inflation now and people's habits returning back to normal. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that will happen, but uh, it just this was the one place where I saw the data really go, wow, that's, this is dramatically different than it was five years ago. Maybe it at and, least shows uh, us we have a little bit more buffer than we think. Right, right, yeah. Well, and, and the buffer always comes back to, you know, if, if you've got a debt-free life and you know, your house is paid off and you don't have a, a ton of expenses and you've got your pension, your Social Security, and a little bit of savings, you know, if you've got more money at the, you know, left over at the end of every month, then you, you probably feel just fine. But if you're trying to uh, keep multiple homes and country club memberships and you got a boat and you know, multiple cars and insurance and all those things, uh, you know, the money's not going to go as far. So it's just a, it's a good opportunity to assess 
what have you got? What do you actually need? What's your fallback position? And uh, do we need to shore things up a little bit? So anyway, that's hopefully that's shed some light on where people rate and what the average versus median net worths are. And one other statistic that uh, on the bottom end, the reality is that 60% of Americans are still living paycheck to paycheck. And uh, 50% say they can't handle even a $400 emergency. So definitely a uh, chasm between the uh, the haves and, and have, have nots in the country. And hopefully some things on that front will improve over coming years. Yeah, so not having... Uh... 400 bucks for an emergency is a stressful place to be. Um, and we've all probably been there at some point in our lives. Uh, and so that's a good uh, reminder of where you have a huge portion of the population living. It's unfortunate. And hopefully we can uh, change that with better planning, better guidance, and uh, better saving out there among folks. And part of the, the goal of this show is that better financial education. All of that, Brian, helps us figure out where we are. What about where we're going? Okay, so we... Uh... We've been looking at the markets lately, and I, I know for being investments being one of the main things that we do, I don't necessarily talk about it that much because I don't think it's nearly as interesting as all the other stuff and planning points that are going on out there. But things have changed pretty dramatically in the last year, year and a half, I would say, to where the strategy that I was deploying and, and people were utilizing in a very low interest rate environment has changed, which is great because now as I'm putting together retirement income plans, the ability to do a income ladder for a five to 10 year time period, I never thought I would get so excited about a 5% rate, you know, a mid single digit rate of return that you can now get on bonds and treasuries and, and CDs and things like that. So I would say we're, we're getting back to normal. And you hear a lot about the 60-40 portfolio and how much stocks and bonds you have. Uh, I, I take a little bit different approach. And we've, we've talked about this in the past. We did an episode number 64, and it was called the uh, cash flow confidence formula. And what I would recommend it, it, it. That was actually a really good episode. If you want to go back and listen to the, the basic methodology to this and the, the rationale for it and the, and the examples that I gave. But if you were trying to build yourself a five or 10 year runway that said, Hey, I've got my income bolted down. I've, I've matched my liabilities. This was a kind of a fancy way to say it. It's liability matching. I have an obligation one, three, five, seven, ten years in the future. I want to fund that today in a way that I know I'm going to be able to afford that in the future. Makes it make basic sense? Yeah. I'm tracking so far. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as people come in, we'll we'll sit down and map out what monies they're going to need over certain range. Maybe it's for a large purchase, or maybe it is just for that consistent cash flow. We've got a calculation that we do is called net net present value. And if we allocate a certain amount of money to an investment today, what interest or growth is it going to have so that it keeps up with inflation so that I can have my my money in the future. So if you were in in the past let's take 
2020, not even so distant past, interest rates on longer term treasury bonds, corporate bonds, they were in the fraction of a percent or, or, or super low single digits if you, if you took on um, any kind of interest rate or, or duration risk. So if you said to me in 2020, I need $100,000 available in five years, how much money do I have to allocate to that liability so that I know I'm going to have $100,000 in today's dollars in five years? In 2020, that number would have been about $97,800. Hmm. And, and this is just a average, I'm not talking about a very specific investment or one that is or was available. I'm just talking it on average. You would have had to have allocated almost that full $100,000 to know that you were going to have that dollar amount in five years. Today, that same calculation, because you can go get 5% on CDs, money market, government agency bonds, treasury is a little below a little less risk, but a little bit below 5%. But if you, if you wanted $100,000 inflation adjusted in five years, today I only have to allocate $78,300 to make that same thing happen. Almost $20,000 less than just a few years ago. This is opening up a huge planning ability and opportunity for those that either have never done this, or it's time to rebuild an income ladder, or if, if, if retirement's just a couple of years on the horizon, right now is actually a really good time to begin putting some of these in place so that as you, as you move into retirement, you're locking in and taking advantage of some of these rates. And just to, just to add on and emphasize the, the, the power of this increase in rates, if you wanted to go out 10 years, said, okay, in 10 years, I'm gonna need $100,000. In 2020, I would have had to have allocated $96,000 to make that goal happen. Today, that's only $62,000 that you would have to allocate to the 10-year time horizon. That leaves a huge amount of your portfolio that you can then either put into high-quality dividend-paying stocks or growth investments, or you know, heck, maybe it just frees up some money to, to do the, the, thing, the things that you, that you want to do now. So again, I never thought I would get this excited about 5% bonds, <laughs> but it's been so long since we've had this that we were living on what I would call bipolar portfolios. We, we had a lot of high dividend stocks trying to drive as much income as we could. And then we would use cash to just you know, fund funded the reserves and and cash flow that you needed. So, it's a definite opportunity here to really lock in some of these rates. Last year was a weird year because rates shot up so much. Both stocks and bonds were down, and that hasn't happened since 1974. And so, I think the phenomenon of you know reversion to the mean, you know, things going back to normal creates a real opportunity for both the, for, for the two categories of investments that I'm talking about here today, high dividend quality stocks and intermediate, short and intermediate term bonds. You can, you can put together a really solid plan and 
that past performance is no indication of future success. Tax tag and title not included. Dealer retains all incentives. Some offers <laughs> you know, may not apply. But I can't guarantee what's going to happen. But if I was moving into retirement today and I, I had the, the current valuations on value stocks and the uh, current yields on, on bonds, whole lot easier to put together an income plan today than it was just two, three years ago. Yeah, you can see that dramatic difference in those 10-year numbers, 96,000 needed down to 61, 62 range. That's a that's a large gulf and so it really illustrates the point in the new uh the new world that we're in. We we always talked about the new normal and the new world as being a bad thing. Finally, that means something good here, Brian. So, a little little positivity to that term now, which is a good thing. So I like that. Uh, what What's your kind of final thoughts on this, Brian, as you then apply this to the planning process and help people? What does this motivate you to do with your clients or if somebody's thinking about their financial future and their planning? Um, what should information like this kind of inspire them to, to do and to be thinking about? Well, I, a lot of people say, hey, you know, retirement's on the horizon or, you know, I'll, I'll call you when we when we get to retirement. Uh, don't wait. Take action now because this environment could change quickly. If you look at uh, the valuations on uh, high dividend stocks, we are in a range that we have not seen since probably the early 2000s where value stocks are better values than growth stocks. So that, uh, that, that could be a phenomenal factor uh, going forward. And the yield curve is very inverted. So that means these shorter term rates are higher than the long-term rates. And that I think that's where the real opportunity comes in to, to lock in some of these higher rates that you can get now. Maybe if, if, if it's even just a few years out, you, you can take advantage of the current rate environment. And if on the other side of this, inflation comes back down and we get the soft landing and, and kumbaya and all that stuff, um, I don't know when that's going to happen or how long it takes for this to play out, but this is still a very attractive strategy for those that are wanting to reduce risk, lock in some some assurances that they're going to have money in, in, in that intermediate time period. And just as a contrary indicator, if you look at consumer confidence uh, in the stock market, anytime that we've had big dips in consumer confidence and we bottomed out in June of 2022, all of these times that we've bottomed in, in consumer confidence, those were usually contrarian times. Investing in those environments actually made a lot of sense. And subsequent uh, 12-month returns have, have always been in the, the say over yeah, all of them have been you know double-digit returns. If you go back you know, 20, 30 years and actually 40, 50 years and look at these inflection points. So as doom and gloom as the headlines may be, as scary as anything that's going on out there. We, we've been through all of this before. Uh, we, we can do a lap around that. But I would be uh, looking very hard at, at some of the great values in, um, in the market, the high yields that you're getting off of high dividend stocks. There's not been a lot of action in those for the last two years. They've been very flat. But that's what we like. Low volatility, good dividend, and uh, just Put all the pieces together. Yeah, uh, almost uh, welcome to see kind of like a boring financial plan at this point after the last couple of years of up and down finance, right? And and try to navigate all those. We'll take waters. it. Yeah, we'll take a little bit of that. Exactly. 
Well, very good. Uh, my, my big takeaway today is if your plan is not incorporating some of the different strategies and ideas, or at least having the conversations uh, that we had with Brian today about considering these things as part of your financial life, well, that should be a warning sign that you aren't in maybe the, the best position possible. Do you have a full-blown financial plan? Is it comprehensive, making sure every stone is uh, you know looked underneath of and explored and thought about? Uh, so if that's the case, and if you are looking to take control of your financial future, but maybe you don't have an exact idea of where to start, well, good news. Let Brian Doe, your seasoned certified financial planner with more than that 20 years of experience, be your trusted partner through the process. And this is whether you want to create a solid retirement plan or receive expert guidance on optimizing investments, or if you're really concerned about avoiding costly tax traps. Brian's got you covered on all those fronts as part of the planning process. And if you're new to the financial planning world and maybe listening to this podcast, you should also know that a certified financial planner professional meets the highest standards of education, training, and ethics always putting your best interests first. So Brian's happy to wear that badge as a certified financial planner. Take the opportunity to have a 15-minute call with Brian and gain clarity about your financial goals and prepare for a more secure tomorrow by picking up the phone and calling 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. Or you can go to livingworth.com and click book a call to schedule your visit and your conversation with Brian as well. Livingworth.com and just click book a call. And we'll see if we can pave the way to financial success together when you reach out. Well, Brian, thank you for all your help on the show today. Enjoyed catching up with you. And uh, we'll look forward to another chat next month. Sounds great. Thanks, Walter. All right. Thank you, Brian. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.